Mr. Pop. Sylvester Stallone's got better diction. Oh, now there's no need to be nasty, Brian. This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix, and Mark Fine. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Ruck and Roll, the podcast with a sprinkling of uh, believability, a, uh, a modicum of uh, credibility, and a, uh, a great big, huge truckload of Christmas cheer. Hello. I'm, my name's Kevin Hillier. With me, Brian Mannix. Hello, Brian. Ho, ho, Hello, ho. Hello, Kevin. Hello, uh, listeners. Oh, God, here we go. Um, and Mark Fine, who has Christmas cheer up to the year rolls. That's where we hang them. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Finey? How's your week been? Uh, pretty good, actually. You know what? I had a great Saturday night. What'd you do? Yeah. Two of the kids, well, one of the, the youngest boy, 18, Lucas, he's no baby. He had some tonsillitis. He stayed home. Andy, the oldest, she's lives out of home. So Nat and I and Zane and Harper, so four of us, went out for dinner. I had a hankering for mud crab. Oh, oh yum. Crab. And Nat found this place in Burwood Road, Hawthorne, right near the Glen Frey Road, right near the junction there, called Capitan. It's Malaysian. I knew it was good. Every, went in there, everybody's eating crab, all the Malaysians, 10 different types of crab. Oh. Um, they've got a, a special deal. You've got to order X amount from the menu, and it ends up not unreasonable. At one point, I'm just sitting there and I saw my son, Zane, he was just ripping into the crab, absolutely loved it. Harper was having a go. She was using the nutcracker to get into the claw and that was getting all messy. And I said, you know what, 30 years ago, if I was given this image and said 30 years from now, this is your life, I would have said, you betcha. It was, you know, I remember a scene in The Sopranos when they're all sitting around at Vesuvio eating pasta. Yep. And... Tony Soprano says to Carmela, it's the little things in life. You know, this is a great moment. It was actually a night where all the power went out and they went they went there and ate in the dark. But, yeah, it's those little moments where you just say, yeah, life's pretty good. Yeah, good. Oh, that's I'm lovely. Good. Hey, just on a uh, – you said it's reasonable. We, I, I was reading in the paper, I think it was last weekend, uh, we're supposed to be getting the seafood this Christmas at, and I know you don't when you go to restaurants, but we're supposed to be able to buy our seafood this year at a much reduced rate to previous years because we're not selling to China. So there's a bit of a glut in the market here for lobster yeah. and crab and prawns and all those the things. Lo- the rock lobster got banned, which is ridiculous, but fuck them. Sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <my friend. laughs> but, you know, we'll have the rock lobster. We'll eat it ourselves. And just on the crab thing, Fanny, I've had crab at a restaurant once and I'll never have it again. Yeah. I was starving afterwards. I couldn't get the meat out of the crab. Right? Breaking up the you crab, to... it's just. All right, oh. so they're, they're brilliant there, right? So we ordered the ginger spring onion crab, and straight away the waiter said um, that comes, because it's got a beautiful sauce, and that mm. comes on the fresh egg noodles. So it comes on a bed of egg noodles, and the sauce is all with the egg noodles. Oh, so it's already out of the shell. No, no, no. It's, it's still all in the shell, and you've got to work it, but you've got a big plate of noodles there with all the sauce, and so that'll keep you going. And then the Malaysian-style chili crab comes with the traditional – it's a fried sweet bun that you open up and put oh. the crab meat in. Now, you get the big claws, and 
you know, I'm a good parent. I'm sure my parents did this. But, you know, all the best bits went to the kids, so they enjoyed it. So what the moral yeah. of the story is you've got to take Brian to dinner and treat him as one of your kids so as he can eat. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know how to. No, I crab's, crab's funny. Really it, it is difficult. it is difficult, but God, it's sweet. It's sweet and beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful, oh. mate. To me, much better than lobster. It, I agree. It's rewarding, but I can understand that you said you were hungry. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't get break it. It was just yeah, kind of like a Rubik's cube. Yeah, yeah. There's a there, there are tricks tricks to the trade. We'll go out one day. We'll, I've always wanted to say this, but <laughs> Brian, I'll, I'll make sure you get crabs. Come out with me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's Appreciate been said you. to Brian before. Uh, yeah. We'll probably just go down to Bombay Rock and organise I think some. Rod Stewart said it to you in 82, didn't he, Brian? He said, you know, <laughs> says, mate, whatever you do, don't get the crabs <laughs> off the chicks. <laughs> yes. I said, thanks, Rod. He said, no, it's a new song I'm working on. <laughs> <laughs> it might, every every chance it could be. I prefer, um, I like Morton Bay bugs. I love bugs. Oh, they're great. They're I think great. bugs are the best. I, bugs, I reckon lobster's the most overrated bloody thing on yes. the planet, to be honest. I think yeah, we've spoken it, about this. It's, it's a bit same, same, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I do like it, but. You're always in a good mood when you have it because you're normally celebrating something when you buy lobster. Yeah. So you're already in a good mood by the time you get to it and you've decided yeah. this is great. You've got some French champagne, you've got some lobster, and you're going, hey, I'm living the life. But really, the food's overrated. But yeah, I have mean, prawn. Yeah, I'm saying you get a beautiful – there's so many bad prawns nowadays, but you get some wild-caught prawns mm. and you've got to, you've got to be willing to – Get prawns in the shell. If you if you're buying prawns out of the yeah. shell, you're buying them out of some just puddle. Get out of the country. <laughs> yeah, just get out of the country if you're buying them not in the shell. Yeah. Well, they're, well they're, they're they're raised in mud puddles in Vietnam or, or Indonesia. Nah. But a good prawn, I tell you, there's nothing better. <laughs> listen to us. There's nothing better, I tell you, <laughs> than alligator than, than around Christmas, New Year. Having that big bucket of prawns just yeah. sitting on the veranda somewhere. Everybody else will be having a beer. Oh, that's the other thing that happened on Saturday night. So my wife and son ordered Corona beers. Yeah, nice. And um Harper had a Pepsi a Coke or something. Not so nice. And I had my favorite, red lemonade. That's just ridiculous. Oh, I love and red we lemonade. laid bets where the drinks would go. Needless to say, the waiter, of course, poured that beautiful Corona into the special glass. With the lime or with the lemon or whatever, and plonked it straight down in front of me. Yep. Yeah. And I looked at him and I said, "I'm a red man for myself." And he looked at the order and he said, "Oh, we don't have any wine. Sorry." I said, "No, red lemonade." <laughs> yeah, nice, nice. A Shirley Temple. A Shirley. That's exactly. Every now and then, every now and then, to be a little bit special, I asked for a lime in it, and that's a lime, Ricky. A lime Ricky. Yeah, but a Shirley Temple is spot on. In fact, in fact, um, you need to come out. I'm when glad you're not in a I, band. I, I order Shirley. I say, can I have a Shirley Temple? And most often I get a dirty look like I'm Gary Glitter or something. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> if I said to a girl in the band room, can I have a Shirley Temple, she would be, wouldn't be getting me a drink or whatever. Is that think. a euphemism? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Can you imagine wow. if can you imagine if Finey was the tour manager for you know like the Rolling Stones or the Uncanny X Men? Uh, and, and so what? And so Shirley what, Temple. So what do you do, Finey? I'm in charge you. of the crabs and the Shirley Temples. 
Yeah. And we'd have I a would bloody ins- good night. I would insist that if he's going to drink Shirley Temples, he at least puts it in a can of VB and drinks it from that <laughs> so that nobody knows what a pussy tour manager we've got. <laughs> I will say this. On Friday night, I went to a – we took Harper out for a birthday with 29 friends. That's, a, that's expensive. Well, we went to a place called Easy's in Collingwood. You ever been there? No. I've met some chicks like that. Yeah, but no. Stop it, Brian. It's good. It's on Easy Street. You've got to go up four flights, but it's actually four stories up and it's a train carriage. And when you're up there, you think you're precariously perched in a train carriage, just burgers and fries. So it worked out pretty reasonable. Um, but we had the adults' table where my daughter Andy, her boyfriend Jack, and her housemate Phoebe came along and they ordered this drink. And I might be back into alcohol because mm. I liked it. Have you ever had a fizzer? No. Ah, oh, a couple of nights, you know, you've had a few nights to drink. Turns out to be a bit of a fizzer. <laughs> it's, it's like soda water. It's like it's not too sweet. It's alcoholic soda water with flavours. Oh, is this like the seltzer thing that they're now, the Americans yeah, are yeah, really well, big Yeah, well, that's what on? it is. It's a, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm. They're the big thing. They're the new big thing for this summer. Yeah, well, I might be in. Oh, Okay. Oh, beer's too bitter. Yeah, I've never been a big beer drinker anyway, and the, I like Corona. I must admit, I did day. like Corona beer. Corona's the breakfast beer. Oh, um, Jesus. Now, your first beer of the day, you know, you get to 11 o'clock, you're having bacon and eggs or something, give me a Corona with lemon. And VB, I reckon after about three, you just feel bloated and fat, and that's enough, so it's time to get on the scotch and water then. Oh, sorry, you're talking about after three Drinks not after three o'clock in the afternoon. After three drinks. Oh right, okay. So three, you know, three cans of beer. That's enough. Then you have a scotch and water, and then don't forget to have some red with dinner, and then probably finish the day off with a scotch and water, and start again, and you'll find the weight just falling off you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your liver's this big, <laughs> but the weight the rest. No, of the my weight. liver's surprisingly good. So, I, you know, one thing I never understood, I've heard Jimmy Barnes a hundred times talk about the fact that his liver's in great nick, and I mm. and I saw that what he used to drink, and I, for the life of me, can't work out how. And I I have I have an inkling, uh, 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 like a, uh, a dropper of what you drink, and I, I can't work out how yours is in good nick either. My, my son was telling me today, he was talking about smoking, and, and I don't think it would apply to anything, but he was saying that, the best thing you can do for your body is to exercise. Now, if you smoke, it's going to hurt your lungs and all that sort of shit. Yep. But the more you exercise, the less damage things like alcohol and smoking and those things do to you. So the trick is just keep walking, to oh, quote in excess. So drink and walk. Drink, smoke and walk. Drink, drink and walk. <laughs> and you're right. Okay. That's it. There you go. Now, Kevin, are you going to do RIPs? We had a big one this week. We've had a couple. I tell you, we missed one last week that I I think finally actually alluded to it in the, in the show, but we didn't actually get around to mentioning David Gulpalil, who passed away. Oh yeah, uh, that well, was, you can't really say that name though. Well, I was going to say there, there's there's a whole etiquette thing about talking about because oh, once someone's passed, you yeah, can't. But but I think David is actually given permission before he passed away because they were going to make mm. a, a big uh, and they did do a big thing at the. Um, what are they called, the ac- actors, ac- actors or whatever, that, the actors awards, yeah. which were on last week, where they did a, a great big, huge Jack Thompson uh, and Rachel Perkins came out and did a big um, 
commemoration of David's career. And they actually said then that he had given them permission to use his name after his death and use his images after his death, which okay. is which is apparently not normal. No, um, no. It, it always shows us a uh, yeah, yeah. Torres Strait Island, isn't that, you know, warning, yeah. you know. Yeah, so, so I think we can actually do it because he has actually given permission for that to happen. So, oh, cool! Uh, uh, what a what an amazing career he had. Yeah. I mean, God, gee, was he was he good? Did he start off in walkabout? Yep. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, I think then Storm, Storm Boy came after that. Yeah, Storm Boy. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yep. I mean, we um, saw both of them at school. They were both. Oh, okay. Both books that we studied, learned at school, like in grade six and form one or two or something. But yeah. You know, and, and he battled between, you know, tribal life and, and addiction and then the red carpet. And yeah. He, was really he, had, a, he had a real presence. I really like Any time I saw him, mm. of, you, you see him and it, he just has a certain carriage. You know, you know why he was picked for Walkabout? I think it was Walkabout. No. Yeah, walkabout, he was the best, dan- best dancer. He was the best dancer. In, in yeah. all tribal Australia. Okay. We've seen him dance. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen him dance in movies. He's, yeah, he's got all that that um, stuff down really well. Yeah. And, you know, and he was really funny in Crocodile Dundee too. He was. Was he Neville <laughs> in Crocodile Dundee? That, that they, showed a, yeah. they showed a clip during the awards of him saying to um, Linda Kozlowski and Paul Cronin, uh, Paul Cronin, Paul Hogan, uh, when they're sitting at the Paul campfire. Hogan. Sitting at the campfire, and he's sitting there. And she pulls. She was a photographer, of course, in the film. And she pulls the camera out and goes to take a photo. And he goes, "You can't take a photo of me." And she goes, "Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, the, the, is that upset the spirits or the thing?" He said, "No, you've got the bloody lens cap on." Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a couple of really good gags like that. Set it up like it's some taboo against the Aboriginal thing, but it was just something really stupid. Yeah, yeah. it's good. No, he's, he, uh, he, he clearly had a very good sense of humour and, and and Jack Thompson talked about him in the in the bit I saw and Jack Thompson lauded his acting ability. He said, you know, yeah. David would often say, I can't act, and he said, we all knew that that was just basically bullshit. He, he could act like there yeah. was no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he would have inspired um, a lot of, you know, Indigenous kids to think, yeah, I can be an actor too. Because before him, I don't really remember too many First Nation actors. He should have caught a kick the door down a bit, didn't he? I can't remember in those Chips Rafferty movies because they were the early kind of movies. Yeah, there was have. there were um, Indigenous actors in that. But, yeah, but he became a star. He was oh. the first sort of Indigenous movie star or actor that I was aware of anyway. Yeah, yeah. great. Same here. Same here. Well, well done, David. Good life. Yeah, a true. Yeah, it's as fine. He said he he had his he had his battles. He did have obviously yeah. battles. It wasn't with, an easy life. No, not at all. No, see, I reckon he sort of um his life is worth looking at. It, it probably worth making a movie of. Very much so, because it gives a bit of an insight into the um yeah the hardships of you know. Of, it, of, it show you the extremes the, like the fame and all of that, and then yeah. you know the. The traditional Aboriginal, yeah, stuff. yeah, but yeah, it's it got, could be it's great. Aboriginal life, and then and then you know, you're what? a fish in, you're a fish out of water, coming into movies and doing all this stuff with uh, yeah. stupid whiteies, yeah, yeah, and then and then you know, falling for sort of the the Western trap of alcohol and drugs, and and then fighting his way back to to his tribal 
you know, you always got. Back, I'm glad that's back never home. happened to me. Yeah, yeah but that, you know, that I mean, fighting back from the alcohol and the drugs. <laughs> so, no, I don't want to know about that. <laughs> Correct. You you always make it back to the tribal tribal. Um, I, I don't. I started my own tribe. It was easier. Yeah. I just was sick of the world, so I thought, damn it, I'll make my own people, and I did. Yeah, yeah you were. You, it was quite successful too. You make it back home. But anyway, more deaths, Kevin. Well, I know you're alluding, I would think, to the man who passed away only a couple of days ago at the age of 78 and was one of uh, the two remaining members of the uh, a band that you and I both love and we yes. were lucky enough to talk to one, the other surviving member and now the only surviving member of the Monkees, yep. Michael Nesmith, who passed at 78. It looks like he was on stage like a day or so beforehand. Two weeks, three, I think three weeks ago, him and Mickey Dolans finished their what? Yeah, what, I saw what, them. Yeah. That was their farewell tour. They did it as a, a two-man show. I've been following – since we did the interview with Mickey for Life of Brian, I've been following um, uh, Mickey on Facebook and all the social media platforms. And uh, he's been putting up posts of on stage here and on stage in Chicago and over here yeah. and Baton yeah, Rouge fine. and all this sort of stuff. Um, and uh, they've been going down a treat. The, um, yeah. <laughs> to see um, the crowd uh, all, you know, do the do – the, the lighter and the daydream believer when they sing that, and the, that's usually the last song I think before the encore. Oh, okay, um, no, I didn't see that. Bit. Just terrific, just just great stuff, and they obviously had a great time. Really enjoyed each other's company on that tour, and that was unfortunately the end of it. Well, I was talking to Alice Cooper on the phone when mm. um, we heard the news, and um, I said to Alice, "I said um, I just heard that Mike Nesmith's died," and we both immediately said, "I got to ring Mickey," so we hung up. And um, I rang Mickey just because I wanted to ping, but he was engaged. I think Alice got through first. But anyway, I'll, I'll speak to Mickey soon and give him our best our best wishes and yes. our kind regards. That's a great loss, Mike Nesmith. Wrote some great songs. He did. Different Drum's a great song. I love Different Drum, the Linda Ronstadt song. And did he write um, Last Train to Clarksville? Uh, no. I do he might. No, I don't think he no? did. He wrote Listen to the Band. Listen to the Band is great. Yeah, um, and he wrote a couple of other early ones. Um, yeah. That, that album that we talked to Mickey Dolans about is an album full of Michael Nesmith songs. Yeah. Um, well, different guess, Drum was one of those. But I yeah. guess Mike's done his best to promote it now. Well, he literally probably... launched MTV as well because he was that, – that clip for Rio that he did was one of the first yeah. ones that kind of launched MTV, and I think he – had something to do with the financing of it. And, of course, as has been celebrated on this podcast on many, yeah, many occasions, <laughs> his mother invented liquid paper <laughs> and and sold it to whoever she sold what it to. What have we done nearly? 400 and something million dollars. We must have done nearly 200 shows now, and I reckon we've mentioned the liquid paper on 150 of them. Yep, <laughs> yep. I reckon you're right. I reckon you're right, but, yeah, right. Michael Nesmith, 78, he passed away. You would have been a bit late right, for the right. monkeys, I reckon, Finey. Yeah, yeah, I just got the peanut shells. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> – I, I only saw sort of reruns of the TV show and saw them as a bit of a novelty band, so never got quite the musical monkeys that you did. Yeah, mm. I mean, because I, I was sort of 10 or 11 or 12, whatever it was, it was, it was sort of that – they were pretty cool for me. I, I thought they were. Really I thought they were cool. really cool, and they, yeah. uh, you know, and Nez Smith and Dolans did smart ass jokes, and and uh, yeah. I related to that as a you know smart ass twelve thirteen year old that I was then, and 
Um, yeah, they were they were pretty cool for me when I was growing up. I mean, because the Beatles had that animated cartoon series, which was that a was bit, great. Which was yeah, but it was still it was an animated thing. Whereas this was four yeah. blokes, and you could tell you yeah. related it to it. More a bit. like it was based on Hard Day's Night. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And I and I I must admit uh, the songs that they did. I mean, written by people like Carol King and Neil Sedaka yeah. and Neil Diamond Neil and Diamond. Harry Nielsen, whose music. Who's music? Oh, I love Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart. They wrote the, some of the best ones. Yeah, uh, and them as artists, those people that we've mentioned who wrote the songs, I actually like them as artists on their own as well. So I actually like the, yeah. the sort of songs that the, the monkeys were doing. And they, you know, I still hear Daydream Believer and um, Last Train to Clarksville and Pleasant Valley Sunday and still yeah. love hearing them bounce out of the – I don't get played on the radio, but bounce out of my – YouTube. I reckon if a radio station did play them, they'd probably, probably pick up. Yeah, who knows? I'd <laughs> take a chance and just say, nah, I'm just playing whatever I like. And if it fails, oh, well, it's my fault, but yep. I'll just play whatever song I like. Yep. That'd be good. There wouldn't be many off the chart we're doing tonight that would make it into that. I can no. tell you, if, 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 I was, if I had my radio station, there would be very few that would make an appearance it's a mediocre chart. Yeah. Hey, finally, what'd you make of the first test? Well, I'll say this about the cricket. I know that we won the test and we won easily, but I'm not saying that we're going to win the series or even the next test because we're susceptible without Hazelwood. Our batting, Marcus Harris up the top of the order, not sure. Travis Head, I mean, I like Head, who doesn't, but <laughs> is he going to be sustainable throughout the series? I mean, Root's going to be better. And sometimes, well, I don't need to go into the details of all those things. It's hard actually watching the game with Root and Head and, and various <laughs> other players. It gets quite distracting. <laughs> well, it's not my fault. That's their name. Yeah. Um, did you did you listen to the ABC at all? Uh, no, I didn't. Not this test, no. See, Ian Chappell's strange. You know, he's back on the ABC. He spent... Every waking moment after Ted made that 100, pointing out that if he was a selector, he still wouldn't trust him and he made the runs after it got easy and if he was a selector, that wouldn't convince him to pick him in the next test. Wow. It's a bit like Shane Warne spending an enormous amount of time on the television coverage talking about the fact that Mitchell Stark's first ball wicket was not didn't, a good didn't ball. bend. <laughs> uh, I mean... Uh, yeah, I, did it bend? Did it swing? Or yeah, bloody oath it did. Yeah, I thought it swung, but... Um, well, if you bowl a bloke around his legs, um, you, you, you've done something yeah. with the ball. <laughs> you know. The last thing you want... Well, he is an just, he's just diagonal in, isn't he? Warning. Yeah, I don't know what Warnie was thinking, but you're right, Fanny. The last thing you want to do is be bowl around your legs. Oh, but, but the last thing you want as, a, as an opening batsman is the first ball to be a Yorker on leg stump. Whether it bends around your legs whether it spears into your pads. First of all, you just do not want to get hit on the pads first ball because there's nothing an umpire loves more than getting, you know, sort of up and running. <laughs> Bastards. Um, yeah, that's a real – that was always a bit of a blind spot for me, that spot. It was a very good delivery. Um, wasn't Cummins good, though? Just the way he handled himself mm. in the field as captain yep. with the bat, everything. Very likeable man, Pat Cummins, super likeable. Good looking, <laughs> and good looking, yeah. And actually, um, Stark's a bit of a spunk too. No, nah, not really. Oh, the chicks would go for Starkey. He's married. Well, he's married to Elisa. That Healy is not so, it? Yeah, no, pretty, that's that's 
it proves me right. The chicks hey, go well, for him. At, yeah, at least you're Healy. Stark with Healy? Yeah. 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 I love it. They're a really cute couple, actually. Yeah, we saw on TV together. They were really cute. She's she's a bit of a character. She's got a bit of. I like you, it. Got a bit of you know what? No, when she's on the ground. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. Has. Not just on the ground, but okay. Uh, <laughs> and the other, the other, uh, the major milestone in the in the test was uh, was Nathan Lyon getting his four hundredth test wicket. Yeah, that was good. That's a yeah. that's a massive achievement for uh, you know a bloke who when he first came into the test team there was no. There's no um, superannuation plan, I think, set out for him when he first made the test team. I don't think they were thinking he was going to be a, God, a 200-plus wicket. We've yeah. been through so many spinners after Warney. Yeah. And we have we have since as well. But Nathan Lyon, the off-spinner, really stuck to his guns and he's a hugely popular and important part of the team. I'll tell you what, speaking of 400 test wickets, if we all got cryogenically frozen and thawed out in the year 2,952, mm-hmm. it still would be too early to see Jack Leach's 400th <laughs> test wicket. <laughs> <laughs> Is he not the greatest pie thrower they have served up in such a long time? Uh, no, they've had some others, unfortunately. Of course, he cost us a test. He batted brilliantly with Stokes yeah, when they too. won that amazing test. Yeah, one but run. That was a pie thrower. And of the, you know, it reminds me of the great Welsh off spinner, Robert Croft. Oh. The hopeless leg spinner, Salisbury. The previously mentioned son of an Illingworth, Illingworth. That's right. Richard. Um, yes. You know, I mean, they've had so many bad Mind you, we, we can't, we can't uh, take too uh, high on the moral high ground there because we've, we've dished up some. Pretty ordinary blokes as well who've played one test and then been given the, the kibosh. We've had, we've had a little... Well, hang on, hang on. The one the spinner who played one test is one of the best blokes of all time and they put him on the smallest ground of all time, poor old Brycey. Well, Bryce got none for a hundred or what? Did he get no, one? No, one, one for. Yeah, one for. Uh, uh, Bryce, he's, yeah. he's one of, Bryce McGain is one of the nicest blokes going around. I, he's a great bloke, Bryce. I agree, I agree, but... Um, he was one of a number of spinners. What was the one who? What was the bloke from Tassie? His name started with K. Crazier. Yes. Well, Crazier took a, a six for a seven for or something. How many tests he played? No, not many. Yes. There, there was the 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 leggy from South from WA or South Australia, the left hand leg spinner. He went no good whatsoever. They gave him a couple of tests. Mitchell Mitchell Beer. Uh, what's in a Michael Beer play? Oh, Michael Beer. Test. He played one. Yeah, he, he played. A t- he played a test, but couldn't get, couldn't get a game for Victoria. Yeah, a lovely, lovely bloke. Yeah, he's another good bloke, isn't he? One test. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm, who's the leggy from? Oh, it'll come to me eventually. I'm um, trying to think. Begins with L, I think. Anyhow, I'll, I'll remember. Yep. Um, it's been a oh, few. Oh, we've had a few. We've had a few. Well, we got, mean, we we had a good one in Steve O'Keefe, and they, then they wouldn't pick him. Yeah, he plays. Still plays that big bash, but yeah, yeah he, went, he went. Well, you know that. You know the most unsuccessful – well, not unsuccessful. He took a few wickets, but the bloke, the spinner picked for Australia who really never went on as disappointing, really. Who's that? Steve Smith. <laughs> oh. As a spinner, yeah, he was – he did bat at seven and, and – He got was, picked as a spinner, not yeah. as a batsman. Yeah, he did. That's true. He's gone on to be one of the uh, one of the sort of best batsmen of the modern era. 
Not a real good yes. looking bloke like uh, Cummins and Starkey. No. No, not as uh, handsome. And Nathan Lyon, I don't see him, you know, wearing fashion for Meyer. Doesn't Trevor's head look like Trevor Chapel? Yeah, he does a bit. Yeah, he does. Mm, for an underarm. Yeah, no. Uh, he does look like Trevor Chapel. Uh, similar, hey, similar height too, I reckon. Hey, somebody listened to the show last week and told me off, said that, you know, I said Vaughan Brown, the guy that took that 10th wicket. Yeah, yeah. again, that Hadley caught. Yeah, I said he was no good. I yeah. Said, <laughs> so somebody I know listened to the podcast and played cricket with Vaughan Brown in New Zealand. Oh, right. And I reckon Vaughan was a great bloke and a great bowl. Oh, okay. Wow. I got picked off for that, of all the things. <laughs> oh, well, that's the way it goes on these podcasts. Um, yep. Now, anything else anyone wants to bring up before we head to our chart for this week? I did want to ask, finally, the, the, you, you, like me, have had a bit to do with grassroots footy and, and footy at that grassroots level. Roots. <laughs> Jesus. The AFL are talking about throwing $8 million into grassroots footy. They've named Alistair Clarkson as an ambassador for, for this. Um, they're going to put money into paying rego fees and insurance fees for, for players and for clubs. There's nowhere in this $8 million anywhere that's mentioned where clubs are going to get their hands on any of the money to do anything at a grassroots level. It's going to be controlled. The purse strings still, even though there might be $8 million, still going to be controlled by the AFL. I just don't see where this is going to make one iota of difference to grassroots footy and the problems that grassroots footy has. Here, here. You know, Kevin, $8 million nowadays doesn't buy a house. Uh, $8 million where? Across Australia yeah. for grassroots footy. That'll, that'll, you know what that'll do? That'll pay for the behind posts in WA. I mean, $8 million. Look, I know that the AFL have bled money in the last couple of years, so now might not be the time to do it. But when the time is right, local football needs an injection a quarter of a billion dollars, not eight million, because we are talking about clubs that have gone by the wayside for various reasons, including lack of grounds. So they need to shore up grounds. Lack of suitable pavilions. OH&S have knocked clubs for six, you know, clubs have been forced to put in proper facilities for men and women because they've got male and female teams. Some clubs can't afford that. They need to shore that up. Umpires need to be paid properly and trained properly. Yep. And players need to be, from a young age, taught football, and that includes getting football back in the schools where they're too scared to kick a footy for fear of somebody breaking a pinky and suing the school. So, I mean... They've got a lot more to do than just sticking $8 million in Alistair Clarkson's kick and hoping it finds a few registrations. Fair dinkum. Yep, bloody oath. Couldn't agree, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree Sounds more. Sounds good is shit. Yeah. Looks, bullshit. Yeah, looks good on paper. Yeah, exactly right. I call bullshit on that too. Absolutely call bullshit. I'm furious. What about the uh, Sex and the City reboot? Apparently, yeah, my daughter watched that. She's furious. It's shit, she apparently. Said. <laughs> she said that they sat down and they just said everything politically correct that they could within the first couple of minutes, and she just said, no, no good. End of story. Yep. That's it. And the mole's not there anymore anyway. The what? Have they finally put oh, Samantha, Samantha. Samantha. She just loved it. Have they what? Sorry, Fanny? 
put a saddle on Sarah Jessica Parker. <laughs> no, but she's got her she's got her picture next well, to Celine Dion on Maxi Wars drums <laughs> for when they horsehead play their next gig. <laughs> Uh, now, I want to tidy up a couple of things from the last episode from the chart. Now, now Please do. Now, I mentioned uh, Radar Love, which we all liked and all said great mm. song. I said it's not one that I've heard uh, covered by anybody else uh, of, of, the, of any note. No, I think somebody has covered Well, how bloody wrong could I have been? Oh, you're incredibly wrong. According again. to, um, <laughs> again, <laughs> according to uh, a source that was sent to me, the song has been covered, wait for this, the song has been covered more than 500 times. Yeah, big. Oh, covered. Oh, yeah, no, it's been covered. Yeah, cover versions, oh, more than 800 oh, cover, yeah. cover versions of it, including R.E.M., yeah. um, Def Leppard. They love it. James Last. He does a great verse. Well, what lyrics would James Last have in it, seen, given his Well, no more speed, <laughs> I'm almost there. <laughs> and with a trumpet as Trumpet. Joe Santana. I don't know who Joe Santana is. I don't think he's related. Uh, and the only one that's ever charted was White Lion's version, which charted at number 59 back in the Billboard Hot 100 at one stage. Uh, wouldn't they be pleased to get to number 59 covering somebody else's song? Yep. And uh, <laughs> and I was right. William Shakespeare's real name was John Cave, and he passed in 2010. So he's uh, oh. he's been gone for some time now. So right. just to tidy up a few. Alas, poor Warwick or whatever his name was. <laughs> John. John, we knew him well. We uh, knew him well. Yes. All right. So if there are no further uh, items for business, I think we get to the chart. Well, okay. you can you can kick me off the program now. All right. Why but I am I I cannot I cannot lie. I cannot be. I cannot misrepresent myself. I cannot possibly mm-hmm. sit here and go by the normal rules, unfortunately. Right. So what's what's the problem? I've got six terrible songs out of <laughs> forty terrible. I cannot and will not name three good songs. But I do have six <laughs> bad ones. You have you couldn't find three good ones in it. I cannot find three good <coughs> I found oh, one wow. song that was acceptable. It was oh. quite good actually. Oh and wow. I had I, I was surprised by it. Um by the silences. That was a Oh okay. yeah, painted uh, painted moon. What is it? Painted yeah, moon? otherwise the rest of them. Anyhow, you'll hear what I think of the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Wow. The chart we refer to is uh, the October 6th chart, 1987, from the uh, the Eon FM chart. Um, when they were Eon before they went to Triple M, they didn't go to Triple M till 1990, so that was still when they were Eon. Um, and on the chart it says, Homegrown with Ken Forbes every Monday, 10pm to midnight on Eon FM. Ooh-hoo. Um Kent's still knocking around doing a few voiceovers here and there. Uh, so yep. uh, the number one album and single are the same, La Bamba by Los Lobos. The number two album was Man of Colours. The number three album was James Rain. Four was Diesel and Dust. And five was The Lonesome Jubilee by John Cougar Mellencamp. The top five singles were La Bamba, Electric Blue by Ice House, Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger, um, what's it? Uh, Star Trekking by The Firm, God. Uh, and number five was True Faith by uh, New Order. I thought yeah, New Order might have made an appearance for you. I, think, I know you like them. 
Yeah, but not that song. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this will be. Oh. This was. This chart was the bastard spawn of the devil when the devil sold his soul <laughs> to the fiddler. Okay. Well, with that being the premise for this, Finey, uh, I won't ask you to name three good ones because you, you can't do it, you can't do it. Um, I can't. So start us with your number six, bad. <laughs> My number six, bad, you've just mentioned. Look, Ooh. it's Star Trekking by The Firm, oh, and yeah. the reason I'm upset with The Firm is that they had two other songs that were very, very much worthwhile. They had a, their number one single. They weren't hits, of course. Was Arthur Daly, "Ease All Right." Right. Oh, listen to that. That's quite good. Yep. Two years later, they followed up with "Long Live the National," a song about saving the Grand National that was under threat from anti-jumps racing people. All right. And then they went berserk with star trekking across the universe. Um, that's the one that's got Klingons on the starboard side, the starboard side. Yeah. The star- oh, that's yeah. dreadful. Yeah, Klingons on the starboard bound, starboard bound, starboard, starboard down. down. And then <laughs> Dr. Spocker, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Look, it was the end of the band. You know, in England, the firm represents the hooligan supporter base of soccer clubs. Oh, Okay. I reckon. I reckon if the firm, if if Chelsea's headhunters or my lads down at Green Street Hooligans got hold of this firm, they'd put them through a minster and turn them into bangers. <laughs> wow. Fair enough. Uh, I concur completely. Star Trek and is a heap of heap of uh, gob droppings. Didn't quite make my list of three. What's your uh, number? Th- or give me your number five now, Finny, because you have to do two at a time. Oh uh, yeah, fair enough. Number five, bad. How dare fucking Bon Jovi <laughs> break all the rules of a top 40 and do a compilation live onto an EP, those lazy bastards? What? I mean, Rick. I don't like them at the best of times, but <laughs> we're just going to give you a bit of our live act and release that as a single. You know what? Go back to where, where, are, they, where are they from? New Jersey. New Jersey. Yeah. Go, go back to the – I hope the – I hope that one of those gangsters gets them good and proper. Yeah. Hey, Bon Jovi, come over here. That's, you're not allowed to do that. They broke all the rules. Don't break rules. Yeah. Terrible, terrible, terrible form. Yes, the live on tour um, uh, EP. It's called an EP. It was called an EP, wasn't it? Was it number 20 yeah. in this chart? Uh, and Star Trek and was sitting at number four. Righto, uh, Mr. Mannix, give us your number three bad. Um, okay. My number three bad is a man who does a very interesting version of uh, Bad Boy for Love, acoustically. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. I'm talking about uh, James oh, Rain God. and the Fall of Rome. Oh, Jesus. And, look, it's not the worst song in the world, but it kind of irked me. Um, I remember we'd been over in America recording it and he came back to the Countdown Awards and he debuted it. And he was wearing a skivvy and what looked like a nun's frock. I don't know what the hell, who the hell dressed him. And it just looked ridiculous. And he starts playing this song. And as usual, we can't understand any of the words, you know. And the thing about it is, 
this song is so contrived. You know, he's been over to LA. Rebel Yell's just been a huge freaking hit. So if you listen to the music to this song, it's almost exactly the same chords as Rebel Yell. It's James Rain trying to do Rebel Yell, and it's just mediocre. And when he played it at the Countdown Rock Awards, I'd never heard everybody so unanimously shitbag and say, that shit, that's terrible. Really? So I was absolutely surprised when radio started playing it because really it's not very good. You're trying to be Billy Idol. I can't understand a word you're saying. What the hell are you singing about? And it's it's kind of got no dynamic. It just chugs along on the one level. So, James, sorry, mate, you're top bloke, but that's shit. Okay. Uh, number three, good. Well, I'm going to go out. I'm sort of looking after my mates a little bit tonight. but I uh, um, did notice there's this a couple. Guy, it's, this is a great song. It's not a bad version of it, but um, this guy should have been a huge, huge pop star. He just looks like a god and um, he's a good friend of mine. And I'm speaking to John Justin and, yeah, he's just beautiful. And um, he did a version of David Essex's Rock On and I thought it was pretty good. It's a great song. You know, you're not happy with this, Kev. Oh, it's, it's a great song, but I've got uh, – there's about five or six dodgy cover versions in this chart, and that's one of them. Right. Well, he's my mate. I just figured we'd give him a bit oh, of a Oh, no, I thought, I thought you – yeah, Well, then you've got three mates in this. So four or five mates actually in this chart that I know no. of. Uh, yes, there is, but um, one of them won't make it. Rock on. John, Justin, and you're good. Wow. I, I just like John. I think John – you know, he just was a great talent. Was he in a band quite... or anything or was he? did he just have this? He had a few of his own bands and stuff. Okay. Um, Anna Fair was one of his bands and. Um, I don't remember but, yeah, him. Yeah, you know, he's. Um, oh, he looks like James Freud. I think he's James Freud. Yeah, no, no, no. I watched, I watched the film clip with the two yeah. girls in the background and him walking, playing guitar and doing all that stuff. Oh, it's, it's a song I love. I love David F- yeah. Essex's version of the song. Yeah, um, fair enough. Pretty good song. Uh, but so, yeah, I. I, I Covers to me have got to do something that makes yeah. them different enough that you go, oh, okay, I, I see why you did that because you wanted to bring that to this song. Um, yeah. I don't think it's he brought it. It's pretty faithful. It's pretty yeah. faithful. Yeah. I've got a, my, my, okay, there's a cover version is my number one song <clears throat> in my Ooh. goods. Um, yeah. My, my number three, I've done something uh, in this that I've, I don't think I've ever done before. I cannot remember ever doing this before, but I have one artist um, – who sits in both my good and bad pile. Uh, at number right. three in both my good and bad pile is the same artist singing two different songs because there's a couple of artists that have two songs in, in this chart. Yeah, there is a few double. And you've mentioned here. him already. James Rain has my number three bad with Fall of Rome. Cause, Yay! Because, again, I, I watched the video. Have you seen the video clip of him in the car driving around the flat doing Fall of Rome? No. That's the US version of Fall of Rome, and it's it's quite hysterically funny, the film clip. Oh. Um, but I love Hammerhead. Hammerhead, yeah. I yeah. like Hammerhead. I reckon Hammerhead's a good song. I know again, and if you ever want, to, if you want to know why Australian Crawl didn't make it uh, overseas, apart from Brazil, uh, have a listen to the Life of Brian podcast interview we did just recently with Bill McDonough, <laughs> the drummer, because he explains the three reasons why Australian Crawl did not make it overseas. Yeah. And the third reason of those three was because they couldn't understand a freaking word James sang. Uh, and you can't much in Hammerhead, but I like the song. 
So yeah. it's it's my number three good. Which brings yeah. us back to Finey, who's, who's found no joy in this chart whatsoever. No, he's furious. <laughs> I've never no, seen but it is, it is an evening of firsts. Yes. No, it's an evening of firsts. That was great with Kevin there, the uh, same artist, good and bad. That's a first. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You're and not, I've got another first. Yes, what's your first? For the first time ever, I've been double gazumped. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, Jesus. Fall around. All right. This bloke sang Reckless and Stood Up. He sang Stood Up, John Hyatt's song beautifully. You know, do you know that song, Stood Up? No, I don't. I stood up for the first time. I was 11 months old. Beautiful song by okay. John Hyatt. Yeah, I like John Hyatt. But, of course, he decided that he would affect a twang to his voice I mean, the actual song starts with some uh, some musical twanging. I don't know. Have you ever watched Louis Theroux? Uh, yes, the comedian who got into all the trouble. No, no, no. The document. No, that's Louis C.K. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. He's the tall Englishman that does all the um, documentaries. Oh, yeah. Hang on. Yeah, I know who you mean. Yes. Stand no, I haven't Fry. watched. No, no. Louis Theroux. No, no Louis I haven't watched Theroux. Louis stuff. Oh, yeah. He's good. So he does this great one on UFOs. And he speaks to this guy who can channel, he claims he can channel uh, an, an extraterrestrial. And the guy just starts out of nowhere. Ah, this is a transmission. And then he starts speaking. This guy is actually speaking like the alien. I am, want him, to him, speak him, to him. Well, it's like James Rain decided I'm going to do that. I'm just going to change words. <laughs> Because I'm going to invent my own friggin' language. I mean, it's it's immature, James. It's immature. It's not right in the head. It's not right. Fall of Rome's not right. Uh, Every morning when I wet my bed, my daughter's calling. It's a physical <laughs> mess. Uh, uh, I yeah. looked at the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had a private school education. His English masters must be aghast. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone's got better diction. Oh, it's a, now there's no need to be nasty, Brian. Oh, dear. So, you be charging a million dollars worth of quid. Now I can't get a job. <laughs> That's right. All right, Toy, so you had a first. Uh, we're two firsts in a row now, so we're going for a hat trick. What's, uh, what's your number four, Bonnie? All right, that, uh, is no, that is number four. Number three, yeah, sorry. You probably like this guy. Uh, He's got a, a good discology with Mike and the Knicks and he's a bit of a, a hidden hero for many people. Mm. But this guy, Paul Carrick or whatever his name is, yep. he sings this song when you walk in the room. For me, it is a Royal Melbourne show, big show bag version of Bob Dylan impersonation. It is, you know, it's like a crappy sort of Dylan-esque song. He wrote it himself. First of all, mate, don't come up with the line. No, it's really old the, song. Yeah, it's a searcher song. It's a 60s song. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, so it's not even his song? No, it's not. It's no. a searcher song from the 60s, another dodgy cover. Well, even worse, weeks, months, days, years. That's not in the right order. should be weeks, days, weeks, months, years. Anyhow, um, and, and he sings this line that my voice is, your voice is honey, honey to my ears. Well, sort nah. of, because my ears were dripping after I listened to it. Not with honey, mate. Not a fan of Paul Carrick. I like Paul Carrick's no. voice. He 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 sang. Um, remember Ace and they that ver that song they did called How Long. 
That was How him. long? That's just been going on. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, he, he sang the Living Years, didn't he? With Mike and the Mechanics. Or? With Mike uh, Rutherford. I think he with was Paul in, Young. I think he was in the heebie-jeebies, and he might have had something to do with UK Squeeze. Yeah, he did have a lot to do with UK Squeeze with Glenn Tilbrook mm, and Great uh, Different. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a good singer. But he does that version he does of it. He starts with the bridge, which nobody else does. But when you walk in the room, maybe it's a dream come true. Walking right alongside, then it goes into it. But the song actually goes da 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 yeah, it, it the is. Sports the covered it yeah, on their did. first album, Reckless. Yeah, which James Rain ripped off the name Reckless from the Sports. Oh, still right. his own Reckless song. <laughs> is it the same? But I didn't. I must admit, I didn't listen to the Paul Carrick songs. I just looked down the list and went, "Oh, it's, it's his version of the Searchers song." You said he can get stuffed. And maybe it isn't. Mm. But uh, no, it is a Searchers song. It is. But what he does, he does the bridge at the start, and then it goes. I can feel a new expression on my face. X-Men used to play it for a while. I, it's funny because I didn't hear that song in his version. I just heard something else. Okay. There you go. Now, now if you hear um, the sports version, it's not bad. Yeah. I think they, yeah. probably The Searchers is probably better again. Yeah, I think the, the singer of The Searchers wrote it, I think. God, I'm good looking. Have a no, look at Stop me. it. It's, it's a podcast. No, I'm, I'm, I'm cursed with these bloody good looks, yeah. Kev. Even when I don't try, I still look this great. Do you want me to tell Fanny what? Do you want me to tell Fanny what Danny, Danny Bonaduce said to you today when he saw you on Zoom? <laughs> you go on. Danny Bonaduce. I love Danny Bonaduce. So do we. we Our old mate Danny. We recorded him this morning for a show we'll play early next year. I've been. I've been. Try- oh, that's so good. I've been trying to get him for months, and I've, we finally got him. And you know the Partridge Family had a great song. Which one? I woke up in love this, this morning. morning. I woke- Two o'clock, wondering what I'm doing here alone without you. So I close my eyes and dream you here to me. Yeah. <laughs> a- Truly one of the great rela- comic relationships on TD- TV was Danny and Ruben Kincaid. It was Yeah. yeah. Which is him, was great. him and Dave Madden, I, I made that point to him. Yeah, yeah. that's one it of the things great. Brian asked him about. Yeah, it was. Their, their, their shtick was terrific. Their shtick was as good as your Abbott and Costello's and your Lyle yeah, yeah. and Hardy's and Dave. It was, it was good shtick. Um, yeah, yeah, really good. Very good. So no, what did he go on? Okay, so I asked Danny, and you'll hear it in the podcast early in the new year, um, how he was going with his sobriety because he had obviously very uh, long addiction to uh, alcohol and drugs. And he said, shit house, basically. He said, every day I miss having a drink. And, you know, if, if you push me hard enough, boys, ask me a hard question, I'll start drinking right now. He said, it's a very hard thing to do. And he said, Brian... Well, Brian, I'm looking at you. You know you're an alcoholic. You look like an alcoholic. Yeah, you, you look like an alcoholic. <laughs> and actually, it was it was at nine thirty in the was. morning, and it, I did look like an alcoholic. <laughs> you had about three hours sleep from the gigs yeah, the I, night before. I did before. get to bed till about four, and so I was up. You know, anyway. But that's something to look I, forward to. But yeah, I yes. had a little sleep afterwards and shower, and that's no, look at me now. Yeah, oh, you look gorgeous. Now, give me your number mm. two, good and bad, please. Um. Oh, my number And two. we've run out of James Rain songs, so there's no more James Rain songs. No, no, no. We've got somebody, James, you know, James occasionally gets it right. Yeah. Not very often, but occasionally. Well, I've got Hammerhead um, in my good list. Yeah, Hammerhead's all right. You know, it's about smack. Yeah. Um, that's what it's about. 
Is it? You've been playing with the nicest people. Oh, hammer, 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 hammers, the hammer hit, on the hammers, okay. hammers. And that's smack. Olivia Newton-John doing the backing vocals. No, it's her doing the smack. No, it's no. not. It's her doing the backing vocals. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, it is. I wonder if she did it in the nude. Well, I think it's yeah. because it was recorded in America. and Wasn't he with her manager at that stage? He was being managed by the same person, I think. Um, Tina Turner's man. Manager was Roger Davies. Yeah, Roger Davies. Yeah, I think Roger had. I think Roger was the one who. Olivia as well. Number two. Okay. Now we hate this bloke, but we like we like one of these blokes. He's good. He does a great work. Great Australian. But for some reason, he teamed up with that pussy little moustached guitar dickhead. John Oates from Hall and Oates. And oh, this they is... came up with this friggin' song, Electric Blue, which is named after those sort of porno videos, soft porn. car racing and shit in soft porn and car racing and stuff. Mm. And this is absolutely, without doubt, Ivor Davies' absolute worst song. It's just trying to be a hit, whereas, you know, his other stuff's cool and he's just doing what he wants to do. But this one, they're trying to have a big American hit and it's it's just contrived and the lyrics mean nothing. Um, I'm sorry, Ivor. Mm, fair enough. But it's shit. Okay. Electric fluid number two, which is yeah. what it is in this chart, number two. Number two. <laughs> yeah. uh, what's your number two good? Well, I'm going to go for me mate Scotty Khan and uh, Kids in the Kitchen. Say it. I reckon it's probably one. One of their best songs. Um, sounds a bit like Wham. I think Molly produced it for them. Oh, did um, Okay. Yeah. It's a bit Whamish. It's a bit more, I reckon it's a bit more commercial than some of their other songs. Um, certainly to my ears, it's more commercial and a bit of desire. But, um, yeah, it's up there with Current Stand and that. But I reckon say it's a real good song and probably could have been a world beater because it's it sort of drives down Wham Street. Mm. Mm. But it's good. Yeah, I reckon. So well done, Scotty. Well done, Scott. Uh, my number two in the bad thing, uh, and I don't want to. I hope I don't gazump you here, Fanny. But uh, sorry, I think there's going to be a lot of gazumping coming up with the number one bad. Yeah, I think, I think we're all going to be going for the same one. Well, I'm going locomotion at number two by Kylie, because oh. um, I'm sorry, I wasn't that big a fan of the original song by Little Eva, and then yeah. Grand Funk Railroad did a version. I remember playing in Brisbane. Uh, in the mid 75, 76, something like that, I reckon, when they did a big sort of heavy metal version of it. And then Kylie did that one. I'm sorry, I just never warmed to it. I didn't get into trouble like a few disc jockeys did who baked it on air and um, the friendship of the late Michael Godinski and one leading Melbourne disc jockey almost came to uh, an end over uh, this song because he said it was a heap of shit and <laughs> wouldn't play it. And Michael obviously was heavily invested in it. So that's my number two in the bad, my number well, two in the hang good. Hang on, wait a minute. What? Just a second. Do you remember when we spoke to Vicar and Linda and I asked them a little question you about did. that song? You did, and she said that she couldn't answer I said, I can't tell you. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And that right. was that was whether she had actually helped on some of the higher notes. Because I heard that there was a couple little bit of vocals that needed a bit of fixing and Vicar was working at reception there mm-hmm. and they said, Vicar, can you come in here and fix these notes for us? And she did. 
Well, she didn't say she did, but oh, okay. she yeah, said, sorry, I can't right. answer that. Yes. She said, I can't answer that. <laughs> okay, yeah. And um, But, you know, I doubt that Kylie would even know that. Mm, um, probably not. Because I know Jimmy Niven from the sports, he played keyboards, but he'd get in the studio and he gets so nervous, he'd get pissed and then he'd get pissed and he'd play shit house and then they'd go home and then they'd redo it. Put all, and you come in the next morning, and they'd go, "Mate, yeah, you nailed it." You know, he killed him. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right, so that's my number two bad. My number two good. I, I was running out. I must admit, mm. I was struggling yeah. to find a number two good. Um, but I've gone with "Wild Horses" by Gino Vanelli because uh, I'm yeah. a, I'm a bit of a Gino Vanelli fan. He had an album called uh, an album with a song on it called "People Got to Move." Um, about several years before this, and I really liked it. And I thought Wild Horse is not a bad song. It's an awful film clip. It's one of the worst film clips ever in terms of cheese. But he's actually taking the piss out of it halfway through. You, you notice. But um, I, I like Jim Avenelli's voice, and I like his song, so he gets that. Now we have Finey's Finey's two worst. He couldn't uh, come up. It's a first. Never been I'll done before. You- I'll bet you we've all got the same for number one worst. It couldn't come up with anything that he thought he could possibly, in all conscience, put on a good list. So it's a bad list that is Star Trekking, Bon Jovi's live EP, <laughs> Fall of Rome by James Rain, When You Walk in the Room by Paul Carrick, and now we get to the top two. That's James Rain funny. you see if you can do a support act for him on Saturday night. Uh, number two and number one, finally. What about act? He's going on before me. <laughs> All right, it's a. It could be a dead heat. This is heads up and down. I mean, so one of the horses that have crossed the line equal worst is Heart and Soul by Tapau. Oh. Do you know Tapau? Yeah, I do I watch the clip today? Tapau. <laughs> Not bad, given that the actual band sings the backing and the backing singers sing the front of the song. I, I couldn't work it out. It was like, so, and then the backing singers were louder than the two main singers until they got in an argument with the backing singers and then it became a war. But, you know, that is just 1987 in a Petri dish, that's all. You know, that is why. You know, it remind me of when I watched the film clip today? It was like the alien coming out of the stomach of that person in the uh, in the alien movie. It was like there was a song inside another song that just had to come out. Correct. <laughs> and they, they, I reckon that the main singers, they ended up being overtaken by yes. the backing singers yeah. and they, they had a disagreement on track. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm you know, just, singing, just by singing the word soul louder than some... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who Tapau is, but oh, I'm pretty sure Tapau ain't going to bang anymore. No, I think you're right. Pretty much done. Cooking burgers at McDonald's. Yep. All right. They have dead heated with Mel and Mel and Kim have dead heated with themselves. All right. Have mm. you heard this song FLM? Oh yeah. It starts like a jingle for an FM radio station. Well, hang on. There's a backing singer. It's a man. Is there not a man just in the background saying, fuck, 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 fuck? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I, so do I because that would have been the best part of the song. I mean, you've got to listen to it, but somebody is, you know, there's a, uh, I reckon they've got a cross line here. FLM stands for love or money. Yep. And 
for love nor money would you listen to this song for more than 10 seconds before getting the cotton buds deep in your ear and gouging out your eardrums. Uh, this is why blokes, see, Brian, this is why blokes did not hit the dance floors in Australia between 1986 1991. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't the fault of the men. It was the fault of the friggin' music. Yep. Yeah. The Mel's and Mel and Kim of this world. I mean, who is Mel and Kim? Who are they? Is it is it I, from the singing? I've got a feeling it was Mel Brooks <laughs> and and um, Kim Kershaw, the ex Richmond and <laughs> South <laughs> and Williamstown player. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, either that or Kim Beasley. I wasn't sure. It was like <laughs> Kim <Yeah>. Beasley. <laughs> uh, there's a wonderful, there's a wonderful uh, Mel Brooks and Kim Beasley. There's a there's a duo people had killed to see. Um, yeah, anyhow, <laughs> anyhow, that, the, the song was saved by that bloke, sort of in. I reckon he was like at his back window going. <laughs> I'll have, have a listen to that. I, I watched the clip of that today and they've got the they've got the little dancing marionette puppet things on a desk of Mel and Kim. It's just one of the weirdest clips you've ever seen. It's just bizarre. No sense mm. at all. Right, O'Brien. Uh, Thank you, Finey. My number oh, it's no, one. It was interesting that you couldn't come up with a good one but and, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you a lot. Come on, Brian. My, 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 you know. Mm. Just I, I, for anybody who, who likes the concept of beds are burning, that's what pissing in your bed is for. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, well, I was going to say my number one, and apologies to In Excess, need you tonight because that's a great song, mm. but I actually really like Beds Are Burning. I'm not a greatest Midnight Oil fan ever, but um, I like that that riff, the bass riff in it. And... Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's one of their better songs. And, yeah, it's one of the few I don't turn the radio station off if this song comes on. So, you know, I wouldn't say it's one of my favourite all-time songs, but it's 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 a pretty good song and um, it's probably, after Wedding Cake Island, my favourite Midnight Oil song. So that's your number one out of this batch? Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, it is. That's a big surprise. I've got it in my list of goods because, uh, like you, it's probably my second favourite Midnight Oil song. Yeah, well, I think you and me are the same one for uh, for number one worst. And, you know, this bloke, we spoke to him last week. He's a great bloke, one of the greatest rock and roll people we've ever had in Australia. He's just rocking, you know. And I speak of Angry Anderson. Mm. Who but we're talking my... to on Thursday. Good. Don't talk, don't let him listen to this because, my God, suddenly, which was used in Kylie and Jason's wedding, this is shitful. And I'll tell you a little bit about this song in that this was produced by a guy called Kevin Beamish from America. Oh, yeah. And and Kevin Kevin Beamish produced our second album. Oh, right. Which didn't do very well. I think it sold 65,000, but, you know, whatever. Um, Radio wouldn't play it, whatever. But anyway, this guy, Kevin Beamish, he insisted on doing backing vocals on every record he produced. And he'd come in and he'd have makeup on and eyeliner. And we're the ex, and we're coming in in tracksuit dacks with a beard. So, you know, he was a bit more of a pop star than us. Anyway, he starts trying to push this song on me, this ballad. It's just shitful. I hate it. 
And, you know, the words are like, once in a lifetime, a love comes along. Seems like the first time. I'll go, hang on a minute. Once in a lifetime, a love comes along, and it seems like the first time. You're contradicting yourself within three lines. I hated it, and I said to Max, do not play the drums on this. <laughs> and I said to Kirky, don't play the bass on this. And they just caved in. I said, do not put the guitar down on this. They caved in. And then in the day, I suppose, with the vocals on, I got Larry said, just tell him we're not doing it. Shit house. Anyway, suddenly also written by Kevin Beamish, oh, but Angry right. didn't have the heart to tell him to stick it up his ass like I did. <laughs> that is just a shitful song and it's just wrong for Angry. You know, Angry is angry. He's rocking. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I, I want to see Johnny Rotten sing my way. Oh, well, no, it'd probably be all right, actually, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean, and that's my number one as well, exactly this. So for all those, yeah, all those same reasons that uh, that, um, that that you said, it, it just... It just didn't gel. From the minute you heard it, you went, what? Nah. What are yeah. you doing there? Why, why are you doing that? Who, who, who told you to do that? Um, who advised you that that was a good idea? Kevin Beamish, for some reason in my head, is I'm, I'm thinking REO Speedwagon. Was he, do you know? If he was, yes. Was he a yes. member of that? And yeah. Sticks. You know, all these bands yeah. I hated. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know why we ended up letting him produce. We should have just kept with Red Simmons. Simon. Simons. We should have. Now, my number one. Yes, and I, I didn't. I didn't actually have this in even my, even my list of goods until I listened to it today. I thought oh, I'll have a quick listen because I was dodgy mm. cover versions. There's so many of them on this. There's I reckon the rock on thing. I don't particularly like that. When you yep. walk in the room, there's a Gary Moore version of Friday on my mind, which I didn't particularly care I reckon for. I know what you're going to pick here. Um, or the locomotion to a cover version of a, a, an old uh-huh. song. Um, there was. I reckon a, you like a number one. No, La Bamba, No. No, oh, okay. I do. I do like La Bamba, That's and I do like Los Los Lobos's version of it. Um, no, the one I'm going to put in number one is our mate, um, mm. and I, I watched the film clip of this of um, doing it, and I really like it. I never liked the original song. That's why I didn't consider it at all because I thought, oh, no. and then I thought I should listen to their version of it to see what they did. And then when I heard their version of it, I thought that's how that song should have been done from the start. Hold your head up by Argent was oh. a dirge of hold your head up. Oh, hold your head up. Oh. Well, let Swanee, uh, Kevin Borich, Harvey yeah. James, yeah. Um, Paul Christie, um, uh-huh. the drummer from uh, the Divinals who, who passed by Richard Harvey, um, uh-huh. and there was another guitarist as well. I was trying to think who the other one was. It was Harvey James, Kevin Borich, oh, Alan Lancaster. Uh, from status quo, let them loose on "Hold Your Head Up," and that's what it should sound like. And oh, Christie would have been playing drums. He was Lancaster would have, yeah, yeah. He was he playing drums. drums I think, he and Richard point. Harvey were playing drums together. Yeah. Um, Lancaster was playing bass, and then uh, they had Borich and James playing uh, guitar on it, and uh, and Swanee singing. And Swanee absolutely oh. nails it. Well, how good is that song that you you played on? Um the first song you played on our podcast, the other one, Life of Brian, last week. Oh, the Carrie Ann. His voice is just fantastic. Yeah, he's got Carrie a Carrie Ann, beautiful. He's got a he's got a great voice, Swanee. Uh, yeah, much better range than people ever give him credit for. He can sing the Carrie Ann, which is that kind of really uh, soft song that he sang um, uh, for the Spastic Children, and then he can hit something like "Hold Your Head Up" and absolutely. Yeah. There's, a bit, there's a bit of Tom Jones about Swanee. 
Yeah, it's a good call, actually. In that, and I only thought of that today because there's that thing where he can sing that, you know, why, 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 Delilah, and, and hit those notes and go, and then he can turn around and go, bang, and you go, shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good call, actually. Yeah. There's a bit of Tom Jones about him. Yeah, and I and I like that because I like Tom Jones, but I like that vocal dynamic that he's got where he can yeah. do that beautiful thing where you go, my God, you know, we've seen Tom Jones with John Farnham sing that, um, that little yeah. bit on Hey Hey, and then – uh, you see Swanee hit this thing. I, well, with if you haven't heard it for a long time, have a listen because that's that's classic Australian pub rock at its best, I reckon. And that'd be live too, wouldn't it? That yeah, good? yeah, it yeah. was. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Party Boys were a good band. They uh, they went through many many different and varied lineups, but they were, they were pretty good for the most part, I reckon. Oh, just just of, of interest, they were good. Um, you know how we were talking on uh, Life of Brian about the the desk tapes. Yep. Well, I've been going through, I'm packing shit up and throwing things away. I'm starting to get ready to move. And um, I've come across all these cassettes and I found, funnily enough, I found this cassette of the X-Men Live at Billboard. Oh, really? Yeah. And I put it on. I thought, shit, this sounds really good. Is it it's a front like house I can hear mix? The guitars. It's like the- I don't know what it was, but okay. I was listening to it the other day and I thought, shit, this sounds really good. I was quite happy with it. Oh, well, we'll... Uh, we'll and normally I'm not happy with live We'll investigate that to be included in the um, in the desk. Well, we might put a bit on a bit, a bit on uh, the Christmas show or something. We might, absolutely, we will. We will. Well, there we go. All right. Well, that's yeah. the end of the show. We've gone again well over an hour. I apologise if you've been, you know, you're out and you're walking. We've just totally exhausted you. But I hope you've enjoyed yeah. it. It's been yeah. a show of firsts. We can yeah, call well, this. Fine. He's, he refuses to go beyond the hour. He's just pissed off. Yeah, he, he clocked off. Um, there are a lot of firsts in this show, and there'll be uh, one more before Christmas. We look forward to uh, to doing that oh. next week. Uh, look after yourself, Brian. Uh, I shall. We Kevin. shall. We shall see you again uh, soon. Look after yourself, Kevin, and uh, my love to the family, and uh, to our listeners out there. Oh, thank you for go. listening. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, Let's have sex. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking to himself. It's, it's a real worry. Yeah, I was just talking to myself. I was looking at the mirror. <laughs> You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook.